Welcome back, everybody, to the Voices for Blogging podcast, where we have faces for radios and voices for blogging. You can follow us on our Instagram page, at Voices for Blogging. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, on the Podbean app, and on Google Podcasts. Royce, how you doing? We got a pretty exciting show today. I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, we're going to have a, this is kind of our pseudo little golf show we got today. It's going to be our first one. We got a couple guests to bring in later. We also have a uh, couple housekeeping kind of things to kind of take care of before we bring them in. Uh, you want to talk about your first victory in your uh, football picks in a few weeks? My first victory. Yeah, you had the Dolphins. You went with two of there to kind of pull you out of your snide. Ah, that's right. Man, I don't know why, but that game feels so long ago now. Probably because you were drunk in Vegas while it was yeah, happening. Or... <laughs> that that might have been it. But uh, no, that that turned out to be a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dolphins are starting to look pretty good. Two, uh, he's looking pretty solid right now. Um, I know he hasn't really faced too many, that great of a team uh, yet, but you know, he's looking pretty good. Well, I mean, they, they faced the Rams, right? I mean, he had, I think in, by his third snap of the game in that Rams game, he had Aaron Donald right in his face. You yeah. Know? And, that was a, and that was a game where they, they completely handcuffed him and just trying to make sure he didn't lose the game for them. The defense in that game really, mm-hmm. they really won that one. I mean, they caused so many turnovers for the Rams and scored a lot mm-hmm. of points. Um, I think the same, same thing happened in the Chargers game, right? I mean, it really looks like the, that defense is the real deal. Yeah, the defense is pretty good. I mean, he still threw for two touchdowns, though. Mm-hmm. And he, he looked pretty accurate. So far, he looks so good. Uh, we also had a little further input from one of our listeners. Uh, the Dancing Queen kind of enjoyed her shout-out in our last episode. <laughs> and she actually sent a little more information my way that she wanted to share. And it was just to confirm a little bit what we're talking about, about uh, what a good investment these football franchises are. Because regardless of what happens... You know, they just continue to appreciate and value. Yeah. I do, uh, have, I do have one comment about Vegas, though. Go ahead. About it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was surprised when you asked me to put in a bet for you. Actually, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that. I have a, yeah. Hey, it's, it's, it's legal <laughs> according to federal law now. So we don't really have to hide it so much, you know? So uh, just a little story. So Steve asked me to put in a bet for him this weekend. And I was trying to put in a bet on Saturday night and even early Sunday morning through a betting app that belongs to one of the companies there. I don't think I'm going to say what company it is. Uh, you can. Okay. Give it a heads up. <laughs> it was the MGM, uh, Bet MGM app. But the, the difference is that I was staying at a station casino. And for some reason, I could not put in my bet when I was at the station casino. And the only time that I could actually put it in was when I left the property. So that was a uh, was a lesson learned for me. I mean, that's a pretty big deal, right? Like you want to hurry and get a bed in, and you realize you had to leave the premises probably, probably at least half a block away. Would you go across the street to Costco from Red Rock? Uh, no, I just went down the street. Like I was driving down Charleston. Uh, <laughs> like, literally, if that doesn't. If that doesn't say you have a sickness, I don't know what does, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Driving down the street just to place a bet. Man, talk about the competition. <laughs> hey. Stage Casinos has their own gambling app too. So I guess everyone I have to does. For that. Well, you just got to have one for every chain in Vegas. Yep. 
uh, Owen actually finally won his uh, first fantasy game. Nice. Owen is no longer Owen nine. He is one and nine. On one hand, he's happy that he, you know, he game. On the other hand, he's kind of bummed because uh, he won't be on the show anymore. So little R.I.P. Owen. Looks like my prayer worked. <laughs> it worked for both of you this week. It worked for both of us. Uh, what you, what's new? What's new with you? What's going on? Nothing much. Just got back from Vegas. Found out that that betting app doesn't work in the other stations and the other casino. And uh, mm-hmm. watching crypto prices go up and down. It's been pretty volatile recently. It's, it's definitely been on the uptick in the last three or four days. Oh yeah, it's definitely been on, been on the uptick, especially the markets too. Right, I think at the end of the year, things tend to trend up. So hopefully that continues happening. Yeah, but the markets, I'm a little cautious about towards the end of the year, you know, with Biden in office and people fearing tax hikes, tax rate hikes, uh, you know, sometime in 2021, you know, some people are going to want to take some of their profits from the market this year, probably take it out towards the second half of December. So, you know, kind of making sure you have a dry powder to kind of put into the market at that time, because some of the stocks are going to come down probably. Um, Some people just want to lock in their gains and pay a, a lower tax rate than they probably will in 2021. Possibly, but I also think that if you've made gains in this year, you'll probably hold on till next year if you want to pay taxes, you know, put off your taxes for another year, basically. Unless the taxes are more, right? So well, that's true too. Psych- psych- it's such a psychological machine, the stock market, right? And there's so many unknowns right now. And for some people, all they hear with Biden when he talks about tax rates is, you know, he's going to hike everybody's tax rate, which... According to his campaign, that isn't true. It'll be people above 400,000 a year, which I don't believe is any of us on the show today. So we'll be okay with that. Yeah, well, the good thing is that Congress is divided too as well. So he's probably gonna right. have a tough time passing yeah. any yeah anything too crazy. Yeah, like what's ever gonna get done, right? Which is good. Um, hey, did you catch the Masters at all this weekend? I did, I caught a little bit of it. What'd you think? It was interesting. I mean, I actually caught a lot of the early Part of the Masters, I was kind of sad to see Tiger fall out of contention. Yeah, it just feels Same like time. his body's kind of his body seems to be failing him a little bit. You know, you yeah. kind of watch him move around. You know, after the first and second day, kind of seems to be moving a little slower. You know, as, as the, the tournament gone went, you know, kept going by hole by hole. It's uh just father time, man. Yeah, his, the back injury, right? And mm-hmm. back, the knee, the oh. hip. You know, and it, it, when it's all said and done, at some point in time everything's a little bit compromised, you know, not all of us. I mean, we can't stay 21 years old forever, you know, speak for yourself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always told you I'm 35. So but, I've, been know, 30, I actually... I've been 35 for a, probably a decade at this point. <laughs> you know what I, uh, I can say though, is that I've played a hole just as good as Tiger Woods. Hey man, drop the 10, baby. When I dropped the 10 on the 12, that looked like me. A <laughs> 10 spot there. Hey, Hey, DeChambeau didn't do much better, you know, as far as dropping big numbers on that scorecard either. I can't believe he lost the ball. Well, this is what happened. And we're going to talk about this a little bit with our guest that we're going to pull in in a second here. But the one thing I'll give him credit for is pushing the envelope and trying to innovate and trying to do something different. Does everything he is everything that he tries to do scientifically sound? Eh, I'm not too sure. But some of the stuff, hey, at least he's trying. You know, and he thought he could overpower that course like he does on every course. And he doesn't doesn't worry if he's in the rough. He's just going to work his way out and, and just take that extra distance. One of our guests today will kind of tell you that he sometimes plays with that same philosophy. He just wants to get the distance and he, he's confident in his skills to get out of trouble. 
So I guess without further ado, let's let's probably bring in our guests. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, before before I introduce our guests, uh, in full disclosure, I have to say I've been a custom club fitter for Avian Golf for over ten years now. Our guest today is going to be Jay Turner, the founder of Avian Golf, formerly known as Redbird Sports. Jay makes custom clubs to his specs using a dimensional fitting system that is his own, that is patented. Um, we're going to spend some time today just letting Jay share about his company, kind of the roots, his approach to making clubs, and talk about why his fitting system is different than anything else on the market. We also have as a guest today, Evan Kawai. He is a golfer at the University of San Diego. He's a Honolulu native. Uh, he went to Punahou School. Evan is actually home now in Honolulu uh, because he's about to get ready for the Sony Open Qualifier, which he got invited to, that I believe is going to be next week. Is that correct, Evan? Yeah, next week, Monday. Yeah, so that's pretty exciting stuff. Um, your first, I think the first time, one of the first times I ever met you was to fit you for uh, Jay's Clubs. Yeah, I think it was back in 2010 I came to you. Um, yeah, you get the workout room. Uh, it's funny because it, you know, it's really what really what brought us together uh, was Jay's clubs. Uh, because prior to that, I believe uh, we were trying to get you to come and work out with me. And if I can't, if I'm not mistaken, Jay, um, did Evan's dad contact you to with specs? God, that's a good question because that's going back. I'm an old man now, so my memories. <laughs> about three seconds long and that's what 10 years ago we're talking about um i can't remember how the where the, who the initiator was it might have been you because we had mm -hmm. done some things with sid i think and right. sid was first as i recall because we did some wedges yeah. and tinkering around yeah. and then right. then i think you breached that um made that introduction with mm -hmm. evan mm -hmm. and we worked from there well, with that, Jay, could you explain kind of uh, a little bit more and tell us a little bit more about your company and your fitting system and what makes what separates it from the rest? Oh, that's a good question. I'll try to keep it simple. Um, what we do that's different is we fit initially off body, physical body dimensions. And the philosophy behind that is golf is a, ga is a game of motion and moving your body. And it's pretty mu much like every other athletic endeavor you undertake, there's correct form and there's incorrect form. The difference with golf, you're playing with an implement. And so if the club fits your body properly, it tends to reinforce the right types of positions and motion patterns that will help you play better. And the, the idea is the club accommodates you rather than you having to do something funny to accommodate it. When I started, all of my guys, I taught them to visually fit. And then it became pretty obvious that not everybody has that ability it, to see things and be able to figure out relationships. But I did know that anything you visually see, you can quantify. And so then it became kind of a quest of what are we seeing? How do we measure that? How do we factor it for motion and positional change, proportional change as you go from standing straight up to to assuming a, a position uh, and a good address position from which you can take the club away and return it to the ball in a consistent, powerful fashion. So that's kind of what, what drove it looking backwards. And with the philosophy that um, 
one thing with people that stay in the game of golf, they all are trying to improve. And you mentioned Tiger Woods earlier. He's case in point. He was the best player on the planet. And he was still tinkering and working with things and trying to evolve and better himself as a player. And, you know, during a time when he was head and shoulders above everybody, uh, still was doing that. That kind of is a foundational cornerstone of what we do, too. We figure people want to get better. So my job is to, as we see it, is to put a club in their hands that fits their body, that facilitates sustainable improvement, and they can go about learning how to move the club more efficiently and hopefully get better and have more fun. Well, that's perfect. I mean, of course, to me, that all makes all sense. We're having worked with you for better part of this last decade. But I guess the, the best way to see if that spoke to anyone is, uh, hey, Royce, did you understand all that? I just wanted to say I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> I have some land that's a little wet. I might want to sell you, too. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, on that point, Royce, so basically what, one of the things that I find, especially here in Hawaii, is using that fitting system because, you know, the average, the average size uh, of the human beings here in Hawaii isn't, doesn't quite line up with the average size on the mainland. So uh, to share with everybody, Edvin is about 5'2". Playing with clubs that when people pick them up, sometimes they ask him, like, are these kids clubs? <laughs> but go ahead, Evan. Go ahead and share your story. Uh, well, yeah, obviously I was probably the shortest golfer out of Hawaii. I always played clubs that were often too upright and a little bit too long for me. I talked to Jay and Steve a lot about my true fit uh, in their system. And uh, once we found it, I was kind of sold and I just wanted to trust it and go straight into it because um, I mean, the faster, I felt like the faster I got used to it, the better. And all in all, it was a great move. I mean, if I remember correctly, we actually didn't fit you exactly to your size right away just because the, the change would have been well, was, Jay, the change was probably about two and a half inches in length overall from what he was playing mm -hmm. with to where he is now. Yeah. So we kind of we kind of just want to snuck about it. Oh, go ahead and explain that to everyone so you can understand why we did that. Well, Evan was playing with a, and I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm a little taller, but I'm close to the ground as well. And major manufacturers, they want to pigeonhole everybody as standard. They want to make things one size. And that's basically when, when I'm talking about fitting I'm initially talking about size, the length and the lie angle. So vertical height off the ground. And Evan was playing clubs that I believe you were using Titleist, I want to say then, as a junior, probably 14, 15, something like that. Yeah, 14. And, and they, were, they were definitely too long. And it, it creates uh, motion patterns from which the club looks like it's actually swinging him rather than he's swinging it. And he has to make all kinds of comp compromising motions to be able to put the club on the ball and it's obviously not conducive to building a real repeatable motion that's dependable in the long run i have to say to evan's credit he basically came to me the last couple of times when we kind of snuck up and said well i want to go here and his he evolved there so he was aware of what things felt like and and i run into this with people with men well i'm not that small well you are what you are and right. if you want to play better, let's, you know, if you're a size eight shoe, you don't want to be wearing a 12. You're not going to run very fast. So to his credit, he had the self-confidence to embrace that and not really worry about what anybody else said. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Well, these feel like little kids clubs. And I've yeah. had a girl that we know from the islands that, mm -hmm. you know, I 
she -hmm. came in and I worked with her a little bit and I'm not going to mention names, but she goes, these are little kids clubs. I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, well, you're 24 inches off the ground. You are where you are now. And there, there's things you can see with how she moves the club, trying to swing a bigger golf club that doesn't fit well. She has to stand up out of it. She loses her leverage and she gets what we call wipey. So you lose a lot of your leverage and power, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, you have to be able to embrace it and be comfortable in your own skin, so to speak. You do. And that's why have... Evans had success. Yep. I do but, have to I'm admit that, that was a little bit of a coordinated attack on our point, on our part to get to convince mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. to take him down to his full size because Evan and I talked about it. I said, you know, if we're going to believe in the fit, we're going to believe in the system. Let's just do it already. And he got to a point mm-hmm. where he saw the dispersion in his shots. He's like, you think he asked, he's like, do you think if we went about, went down to my full, my full fit, my right, my, my exact fit, if I'll lose some of this dispersion. I said, I, I mean, according to the system. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, who am I to disagree with the wizard of Oz up there, you know, in Seattle, <laughs> uh, we just had to convince you to get comfortable with doing it mm-hmm. because it was a pretty big, yeah, thing. it's, it's in the, the challenge you have there. With the average person, I have no, we have no problem, right? But Evan's an elite player and he's learned, he's risen to a level of success and, and capability that using something that's compromised. And I see a lot of it with tour players. There's, there's a few notable exceptions out there of guys that are really good players. And I look at them and it scares me to watch them. So how do you say, well, to a guy like Faldo, for example, in my opinion, has always played clubs or hinders motion. How do you argue with a guy that's won a couple of British Opens and three Masters? Say, well, you mm-hmm. suck. You need you to be better here. That's a hard mm-hmm. argument to make. And it so is. it's it's a little easier with somebody elite if you kind of start sneaking them up on it and letting them see some change happen rather than mm-hmm. dumping them all, uh, dumping it all on them mm-hmm. at first and they really struggle. But Correct. yeah, it's it, it it takes a coordinated effect, but it's still he, Evan had the ability to uh, to accept that and embrace it, so to speak. Yes. Can you get a similar effect by choking up on the club? So like I know I remember watching a video with you remember Andy Kim, the PGA player. He would actually talk about mm-hmm. how he used his dad's clubs when he was growing up, and he would choke up on the clubs. And so all of his clubs that he carried when he played during right. his career were actually standard length clubs, but he would choke up on it. Does that kind of give you the same thing or is it, mm-hmm. is there better advantages? Right. It, you know? um, it does. If you can, if you are really meticulous and can hold it in the same place every time. And the thing that Andrew Kim does did that for as much as anything is a grip is a little smaller when you choke it down. So I think it fit his hand better and was more comfortable. But if you look at video of him, that's where we want to almost see everybody hold it. Most people hold it off the end. And when it the club gets sunk into your hand and your whole hand is not on it, meaning part of the butt end is buried in your left palm, you lose a lot of strength and leverage in your hand. But yeah, talk about a, a talent. That guy was, he's incredible. It's just too bad he got hurt. Yeah. One of, the mis- one of the misconceptions of going shorter, and I, I think I, I hear this all the time, especially because a lot of the fits I do here in Hawaii, you know, we, we're probably going to go shorter and flatter on the, uh, from spec off the shelf. One of the common misconceptions is everyone keeps talking about, oh, I'm going to hit the ball shorter then because my, my club's too short. 
opposite's true. You actually mm-hmm. become more efficient and you store and release energy more effectively and speed goes up. And I, I'm case in point. I went short my driver down significantly. They driver, interesting thing is we fit a lot of people because we're on the mainland, all different shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. And irons are meant to fit the middle of what they think the population is. Yet drivers, and they're too short for at least half of the people we see, yet drivers are never too short for almost anybody. They're 45, 45 and a half inches. And when the club's that long and you have to straighten up to get through an impact to hit it and lose your spine angle, that's an inefficient move. The one that's going to kind of, and he's causing confusion now is DeChambeau because he's going 48 inches. Well, you know, you can do that at Augusta. That's a really big property. There is a lot of room to miss it. And you really can't, you hit it in the garbage there, you've got to hit it terrible, 150 yards offline. But you can see that's not the, the whole part of the game. It's getting it in the hole as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. It's not hitting it 400 yards and making a seven, you know, mm-hmm. from 80 yards out or whatever. But I, again, I give him credit. He's, he's going down his own path mm-hmm. and is committed to a process doesn't look like one that's going to be, and you'd probably agree with this, I would think, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. doesn't look like he's going to be healthy down the road because it's a violent, violent, snappy move. Uh, you know, the one thing that we talk about it with some of the more, the way guys are trying to generate power right now, and I'm starting to see it more, and I'm actually happy to see some of this, is when you watch their front side on their follow through, a lot of these guys that are trying to get really get after it, they're allowing that foot to turn out. And I, I right. think as an athletic trainer, like, I think that's a really big deal to allow that to go. So we don't block yeah. ourselves and allow that open that door. So that left hip can come through. So you see DeChambeau, he will do that and really pivot off his heel on his left foot, almost mm-hmm. like a power hitter in baseball who looks like he's leaning back, you know, after right. he hits the ball. And so in my book, I'm, I, I might tend to have a bias towards if I'm going to spin out like that, I want to, I'm going to want to spin out on the front half of my foot not onto right, my heel, so I can get right. through the ball a little bit more. But he's so strong and he's so yoked up now that right. some of those things are making up for that, that speed and allowing his hands to come through. But like we, we talk about all the time, the dispersion in his shots, they're all over the place. Well, even if he, even if he had the same uh, degree offline, let's say, mm-hmm. let's say it was one degree offline. Right. For a guy hitting at 280 in there versus a guy hitting at 340. Mm-hmm it's going to be further <laughs> offline. He's an interesting, interesting specimen right. to say the least. I wouldn't teach that motion. Right. Uh, he's, t- he doesn't look good with wedges they are too big mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So he can't develop the finesse. Well, let's, let, let's bring Evan in. Let's talk about his experience when we went down his foot, down to his, his fit. What was your experience? I've kind of, sh- if you could share with us kind of what it was like this whole journey we went through with your clubs ever since what your sophomore year in high school, where we kind of, reconnected and tried to do more with them yes yeah, so um i mean going back to when we were talking about my old irons i, I used to play the ap2 from tideless uh, i actually went up to tpi in oceanside where they me and um i mean obviously they're a little too long i kind of had to make a funky move i always felt like i had to like perfectly time up everything from the big muscles to the small muscles in order to like produce a shot and something that I've found through this journey of like going to my true fit is like when you're put into that 
true fit. You're able to use your body more efficiently than if, you know, like Jay said, you have to make a funky move to kind of get the, get the club on the ball. And so kind of what I worked on with Steve and, and Jay is like, I wasn't activating my lower body. So I was losing out on a lot of speed, a lot of distance and a lot of accuracy. So once we were able to go down to my um, true fit, I mean, I started to notice that my lower body was clearing better. I was able to swing the club as hard as I can or as hard as I want and trust that um, it was going to put me in the right position to make a solid contact with the ball. The whole experience um, has been like a big, big learning curve for me. I learned a lot about not only golf clubs, lies and all that number stuff, but also a lot about uh, my tendencies and what my body does under different circumstances. So what, what's the reaction from your teammates uh, when, when they see you kind of doing this clubs that are substantially shorter than theirs? <laughs> yeah, my teammates will grab my three iron and, and say it's like they're pitching wedge. Um, but I mean, <laughs> we have a guy on the team, Char- Charlie Ryder. I mean, he, he has a 128 swing speed. He'd probably be the longest hitter on tour next to Bryson DeChambeau. Probably averages like 340 off the tee. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes down to our iron game, I mean, he's only one club or he hits a one club farther than me. So where he would be hitting a seven iron, I would be hitting the six iron. And um, for someone who drives the ball past me like a hundred yards, I mean, having our irons that close in a gap is, is huge for me because obviously I'm hitting longer clubs into the greens normally to me, like that's pretty mind blowing just cause I mean, mm-hmm. I'm 50 pounds lighter and about a foot mm-hmm. shorter than the dude. Yeah. I mean, it kind of highlights the, what we're talking about, right. As far as making sure the club fits your body, right. Cause if you're shorter and, and broader, you know, we might have to turn things with your club as opposed to being shorter and really slender mm-hmm. or if you're a little more overweight, we have to do different adjustments to the club. Like, I guess we don't, I don't want people listening to this podcast thinking, all oh, we're looking at is the height we're looking at, you know, and everything. But something I do want to mention is I talk a lot about in, on my team just because the, I always get questions about, you know, why, why are my clubs so short or why are they so flat? And some of the guys actually do understand when I explain it to them how Jay fits, you know, the physical dimensions of the body rather than, I guess, the, the flaws or your swing pattern. And so uh, I explained that to one of my teammates and it kind of like got through his head and he kind of understands mm-hmm. that. You know, when you go to a TPI or the kingdom to get fitted for a club, they're fitting your swing. And, you know, something that Jay explained to me was um, your swing is constantly changing. And so if that flaw that you had in your swing during the fitting isn't present when you're out there on the course, then the club is no longer going to be fit, I guess, to your swing, Mm -hmm. quote unquote. And so fitting it to the body is, I mean – obviously a smarter thing to do just because it puts you in that position at address to go ahead and make a good swing at the ball. So mm-hmm. that was, that was kind of the idea that I preach on my team and it got through <laughs> to a couple of guys and they kind of understand it. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send a contract uh, <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> well, Hey Jay, could you, could you kind of uh, explain to the audience and even for Royce, if he wanted to try to get his fit, could he do it himself or does he have to go up to Seattle or get on a video call to, to kind of meet you to do it? 
Uh, good question. He, you can go to the website and we have a fitting link there and an evaluation you pull up and you have to put in seven measurements, I believe, height, fingertip to floor, a couple of hand measurements, inseam length, waist size and weight, and then answer some questions regarding your golf game, how far you hit certain clubs, where your weaknesses are, where your strengths are, and then a couple of simple goal-related questions. And we send back uh, a fit in an email form in a PDF that gives you a recommendation of where to start. And then if we're doing things online, which in this time we're in right now with COVID, um, the last four or five months, that's really grown globally. We've had, and I never thought this would happen because we're producing high-end clubs that are, it's not a small investment. It's substantial. And yet I had guys sold stuff to Argentina, the UK, sight unseen other than people looking at pictures and having a little bit of a dialogue via email. It's worked out really well. But if you give us good measurements, we can... Uh, we'll be able to dial in a, a good size for you, something that fits you properly. I, I shouldn't lie and say that I'm hitting the driver 340 yards. And, I, can, uh, I can figure those lies out. <laughs> I've heard them all. There's a, there's a couple of trick yeah. questions in there that'll, that tell us what we really want to know. We, we don't ask what the driver, how far you hit the driver, but... <laughs> Yeah, it would only be 335, yeah. not 340. Well, well you're short. <laughs> then I'll tell you the lie. We can help you hit it 370, and then I'll be in the same kettle of fish as all these other guys. Uh, I won't mention any names because that's not nice. <laughs> uh, and, that, and that website Jay is talking about is uh, www.jeffmont.com, J-E-F-F-M-O-N-T. That is the corporate identity of Avian Golf. Again, jeffmont.com, J-E-F-F-M-O-N-T. So what's been the most unique fit you've ever had to do, Jay, in your time? And it's been, what, 35 years of fitting clubs at this point? Yeah, well, the company's been around in one way, shape, or form for 35 now, but a little over 40, I guess, mm -hmm. since I was in my real early 20s. Um interesting ones we've done i redid some stuff for michael jordan a year before they won their first championship he wasn't really unique um as far as odd <laughs> i dare you fit, to say that we to a lot of <laughs> well yeah oh yeah i've you're, got a, he, you're actually, not unique dude. i would say it to him i told <laughs> on a basketball floor yes but not from a physical standpoint we've seen guys like him is what i what i was getting at but i did I did say something uh, disparaging to, about Charles Barkley that he put his arm around me and asked me if I said it. And I said, yeah, and it, well, I'm going, oh God, he's going to kill me. He's going to squeeze me like a grape. And he, he whispered my, oh, at least you're honest. And I do really suck, don't I? I go, yeah, you stink. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. I fit a guy. Oh God, the biggest fit I ever did was an NBA ball player. He was seven foot two and he's He's there's a couple of pictures on him of him on the site through some of the pages and his seven iron where we fit him is longer than my driver biggest fit ever and not a ball player and then we fit um, dwarfs you know, mm -hmm. people that are really small thunder Dan thunder Dan uh, is a guy his, his pictures are on the site too 
And, you know, you're talking about clubs that are over a foot difference in length, comparing those two extremes. But everybody's different. Um, you mentioned Hawaii is, is an interesting market because it's, they're generally shorter fits there, but the people aren't shorter necessarily. What you have in Hawaii is a melting pot of all different ethnicities. And we, what I see coming out of there, which makes a shorter fit is generally longer torso, shorter legs, longer arms, typically. And you, you, with what we do, you have to, I, I think to be successful, you have to embrace who you are. Like what Evans and he's, this is who I am. Right. And I want to get here and you're right. going to do, and it's, it's not right. much different than what D. Shambo is doing. It really is in some no, ways. No, it's very, it's really not. It's a similar thought process and um, that mm-hmm. you want to get better and you're going to do what that takes and you're going to go on this journey to figure right. out what that is. Correct. So, so uh, maybe we should take Royce on this journey here because, you know, he fits in that category of off the shelf doesn't work. You know, shots are going right, left, high, low, all of it, right, Royce? Mm-hmm. I mean, it right. goes all over the place for you, show. right? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know where it's going to go, man. I have a, I have a mean flex. <laughs> I know that feeling. But I'm right there with you. Interesting. When, you, when you're talking about uh, the fit in Hawaii, uh, you know, I have a longer torso and shorter legs and maybe not that long arms, but definitely that sounds like me. Yeah, you're probably, a sh- I would guess you're a shorter fit just hearing that, but yeah. the numbers will prove that out. Math doesn't lie. What's, what's some of the common things you'll see if someone's playing with clubs that are too short some, uh, or someone's playing with clubs that are too long? What are some of the misses that will clue somebody into saying, you know what, you know, I may not be able to swing this very well because my club's not putting me in the right position to put a good swing on it. So too short, the, the miss would t- typically be uh, thin and usually you would lose it to the right, much like playing a lie playing a shot with a lie below your feet, because that's what it's creating, that kind of environment. Uh, unless the player's got ability and has used the club long enough to make some compensating moves, and that can be overcome. It's not the best way to do it, though, but it can mm-hmm. be done. And then the opposite, when it's too long, the mess, the miss is heavy and it's pulled. Mm-hmm. And that would be like playing the ball above your feet. Much, mm-hmm. much more pronounced with lofted clubs as far as a mm-hmm. directional miss mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and th- those kind of are what they are. So, so Royce, we've been, uh, we've been fitting, fitting people at the Sony open the last few years. And I always marvel at the fact that when Jay will meet somebody and they'll talk for eh, maybe a minute or two and he'll just look at them and he'll tell them, Hey, by the way, your miss is to the left. You know, he'll tell them all these things about how they missed the shot and they'll look at him and be like, how could you tell? You didn't see me swing, you know? You know, every time he does that, I just stand there, I'm like, Phew. you know, that's sometimes you, some evidence where for you to know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in this world, you yeah. know, kind of kind of help people kind of enjoy the game, you know, sometimes getting refit. It's that adage of taking a step back to go two steps forward. You know, it's, it's a process, you yeah. know? So when we get you fit, you know, it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be a little different but you can probably be a little more athletic towards hitting the ball, you know, we're getting you fit with your proper dimensions on your club. So kind of excited to see uh, kind of how that will work out for you. That's awesome. I just, I just want to hit it as hard as I can. 
But you know, speaking of the Sony Open, uh, I want to kind of spend some time here and kind of bring Evan back into this conversation and ask him about what he's got going next week. Uh, it's pretty, uh, some pretty exciting stuff. Evan, can you share with us kind of what, how this came about that you're going to be at the qualifier next week at the Sony Open and kind of what you're expecting and how you feel about it all? Yeah, so uh, the Hawaii State Golf Association partners with uh, the Hawaii Tourist Tourism Authority, I want to say. And um, they gave the top 12 uh, amateurs in the state of Hawaii um, a chance to play for one spot, uh, which gets them into the Sony Open. So um, I was one of the lucky individuals to receive an invitation to play in this. Um, it's going to be next week, Monday, uh, at Wildlife Country Club, just 18 holes. And, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. This is probably like the best chance to get into a PGA event anywhere in the world, really. And so, um, you know, it's a it's a big opportunity and, and I'm treating it, you know, very seriously. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited for you. You know, what are some of the things you're expecting to see at, at Wildlife Country Club? What, what, what are you expecting to encounter on the course? And has your past experiences playing on this course, do you think that's going to help you? Yeah, so, I mean, for things like this, when you go up to higher level golf, I feel like experience is huge. And, um, <laughs> I mean, Steve's seen me through my highs and lows. I know there's a lot more to learn, but I feel like I'm a lot wiser. And I think a little bit less on the course, which is important. And um, uh, probably should expect some wind since it's right along the beach. Um, and, you know, as long as you stay within your game and don't try to do anything that like try to be a Bryson DeChambeau or try to be a Tiger Woods. Rather, you just try to be yourself out there, then typically it'll go pretty well. I mean, that's a good for any athlete, you know, go out there and do what you do. You know, I talk, I talk about this with all my athletes that I work with, you know, you work on your craft, you work on what your game is mm -hmm. and you play your game, you know, don't let people, make you play their game you know get out there and especially in golf right you could argue in golf you're you you are your worst opponent you are your hardest opponent in many ways you know it gets to a point where after a couple of bad shots you're probably fighting yourself in your head more than anything else and it, you, you'll tighten up and you know some of the shots are shot making becomes a little more challenging what are some strategies you use to kind of stay clear and kind of try to keep yourself confident and being willing to take chances, calculated risks on the course, and make shots? Well, the first thing is, I mean, golf is, I'd say, 80% mental, 10% physical, 10% short game. I'm glad that um, added up to 100. I was a little worried. <laughs> so the big part being mental, I mean, like I said, like you want to, you don't want to be out there trying to hit the ball 340 like Bryson or trying to do these crazy shots like Tiger Woods, um, something I found because I was trying to do that is it left me thinking like, why is it not working? And what I found was I, I just wasn't trusting in myself and what I was doing, you know, over time kind of just clicked, hit me in the back of the head and said, you know, trust the process, trust what I'm doing. And, you know, I got to see results and improvement in my game, which is pretty huge. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, kind of just looking back and reflecting after every round, after every day, and kind of just thinking about what I can do better. It's pretty important, especially like 
when you're on the course or in competition or under pressure, then you have that experience to kind of look mm-hmm. back on and say, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, this is where I was, this is where I am. Mm-hmm. And I know how to handle this. Correct. So, yeah. I mean, no matter what the outcome is, right. Every opportunity out there in this highly competitive setting is a good barometer for you to kind of just see where your progress has been, whether you qualify yeah. or don't qualify. It's not this end all for you in your golf career. You're, we're just at the beginning. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of funny. Cause yeah, I come home and my parents are like, you know, is your game ready? Or, you know, this is, this is it kind of typical thing. Par- but, um, typical parents, right? Typical. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. exciting for everybody. And, right. um, you know, I kind of learned to just see it as another day mm-hmm. because uh, I mean, I, if I plan on going pro in golf, then I'm going to have to play in a lot of qualifiers similar to this. So mm-hmm. this is just mm-hmm. one tournament along the line of many. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, you know, just like what I tell all the other athletes that you've worked out with and been around, and I always remind you guys, when your parents are saying these things to you, they mean well, you know, they're your biggest fans. Mm-hmm. They just somehow, sometimes just don't know how to verbalize it in a way where, you know, you're going to take it real positively as like, hey, man, that's something I can kind of take with me. You know, sometimes they'll say it in a way where it sounds like it's a little insulting. Sometimes it'll come out like it's, you know, they're putting too much pressure on you, you know, those type of things. But in the end, you know, predominantly, they all just want, want to see you do well, you know, and it's just sometimes, and you'll, you'll see this one day when your parent, you know, Jay, Jay better echo this, you know, sometimes the message you want to come out with doesn't come out as well as you, you hope it would. <laughs> Guilty. Again and again, but yes, very true. <laughs> yeah. Good what's, point. What's, what's the most important training to do for golf? I'm assuming like it's the like core flexibility, some I, weight training. Like uh, I'm kind of curious. Like I, I don't really know. I'm I'm gonna let the two better players in, in this uh, in this conversation kind of chime in on that one because you know for them they they've experienced it because they could actually use the changes. Whereas for me, I'm like you. I'm just gonna hit the ball wherever. And then, you know, I mean, some days it'll look okay. And some days it'll look like I have no idea what the hell I'm doing, which is most days. I think baseball ruined me for that, for that. <laughs> uh, same here. Same here. So yeah, let's let, let's let Jay and Evan talk about that. I think it's um, a combination of things, strength, flexibility, uh, cardiovascular, because you are, it isn't, you're not running, but you're, you're walking. And if you're an amateur, you're probably carrying your own bag and you're out there for four and a half, five hours. Um, so being in shape all helps. And, and Steve would kind of be the expert there because he's kind of, he, over the years, since we've known each other has enlightened me on a lot of things. And it's a, it's kind of a learning process. Um, seeing how, when you do certain things, how it improves your ability to play, but you know, just in a nutshell that if you're in shape, typically guys that are really good players are in pretty good shape for the most part these days. Yeah, I could kind of agree with that. I mean, fitness today is, is pretty key to playing golf uh, on a competitive level. I mean, the guys are getting stronger, bigger, hitting it farther along with technology, but I mean, to the normal avid, avid golfer, um, I'd say the biggest thing to work on is probably that 120 yards and in, because um, that's generally the scoring scoring area of the game. That's where championships are won. And kind of the an example I can give is um, playing for USD. I mean, we have the number one team in our in the country in our conference, which is Pepperdine, 
And uh, from 120 yards and out, you know, we, we beat them by a lot. But from 120 yards and in, they kill us. And so that's why they're winning the tournaments over and over again. And so it, to the whole team, everybody realized it's within that scoring area. And it's, it's, you hear it a lot, but it is like factual that it's within that 120 yards and in and putting where if you're able to improve on that and if you're able to rely on yourself and be confident that you are good from those distances and in, then, I mean, you'll see big improvements in your game for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think some of the things physically, um, when I approach a golfer that maybe, especially a, uh, an amateur that might be, let's say in middle school or early high school, chances are nowadays golf is the only sport they played. And so one of my goals at that point is actually to try to just make them a better athlete. So what's, what's involved in that? Of course, mobility, joint mobility, uh, and knowing how to activate the muscles you need to, to kind of make that swing and to get the power to release the hips and get it through. I know with Evan, you know, we've done a lot of work with learn with loading that right side and unloading that right side and just learning how to use those muscles in his abdominal and his hip region. And then also kind of taking them out of their comfort zone, you know, and, and do some hand-eye coordination work uh, that involves tossing and catching things. And you get some visual training off of that and some kind of targeting and capture that, that happens with the eyes that, you know, like, I think one thing that you're going to see a lot of moving forward is visual training, sports visual training, which has been kind of on the outskirts of sports training uh, for probably the last 20 years. It's making a really strong move, especially in the last five or six years. And, and for golf, making sure your eyes are aligned the way they need to be aligned and so that you're aiming, you're truly aiming at what you think you're aiming at. And then having your body be able to move in the way to kind of hit your target really is the goal. So it's not going to be this one thing. You know, every time somebody comes in, it's an evaluation to see what they do well and what they can't do. And then we go from there. So and I, on, the, on that note, too, I do have to say Jay is being very modest about his playing ability. I'm pretty. Are, are, do you still hold the record at, at uh, Jefferson Park up in, up in uh. Beacon Hill there? Yeah, that one will never be broken because the course has changed. Correct. And what was the low round? What's the low round there that you put up? Uh, 63. 63. And who did you grow up playing with at that course? Uh, couples. Yeah. Okay. Freddie Couples. So uh, you I know, didn't mention that to him when he was, <laughs> when it was still possible for him to break it. But yeah, I, now I, I would kind of rub it I in. I would, yeah, all day. I'd be that all day. I'd be dropping texts like every three or four days just to remind him who has that record, you know, and just kind of have a little fun. So anytime Jay is a guest on our podcast, he's going to be very, very modest about his playing ability. Uh, Before, before the last few years where his body's kind of been a little tough to move through uh, watching him play in the courts was amazing to see him just kind of put, you know, put the, put the charge into the ball and hit the ball accurately the way he can when he's at the top of his game. Yeah. The the thing you just mentioned visually was, interesting because i've had my struggles with that recently Mm -hmm. and didn't really realize it until now that i understand but it's it's a ball and stick game which is really dependent on dependent on eye cord you know eyes being able to see and know where you are in space and all those things Mm -hmm. yeah very very good points um royce so even though neither of these two are quote-unquote swing coaches 
you have anything you want to ask them about your game and see if they have some suggestions for you. Um, I just like to see Jay get a little squirmy because I always tell him he could totally teach anybody how to swing. He just shies away from saying that he can or will. <laughs> so I just like to just, I always like to poke, I like to poke the bear with Jay a lot. So <laughs> I'm an, I'm wearing big bullseye, <laughs> easy target. Uh, I, I'm going to say this, like I'm learning a lot just by listening to everything here. So, I mean, That's I'm frightening. A, I'm a blank slate. I'm terrible. So anything that anything that can help me, I mean, is 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 awesome. So you kind of mentioned that you kind of slice the ball predominantly. Definitely, yeah, I definitely slice miss. it. Sometimes when I hit the driver, I come a lot from the outside in and I pull it. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, most okay. times when I miss it, it's going to be a it's going to be a slice. I don't know what that means. Same. That's the same. Cl- that's the same club motion. So that's an outside in path when you yeah. pull it the club face is aligned to the path. It's perpendicular to path. That's why the ball pulls. So when it pulls straight left, I assume you're right-handed. Right-handed, yeah. Yeah. So when it pulls straight left, with that face being square to path, that's why it, that's where the ball goes is where the path is. When it slices, you have that same type of path outside in across the ball, but the face is open to the path. And so it creates side spin. So if you've played tennis or ping pong, for example, and you hit a, you hit a little cut shot, the, the paddle face is open and you're sliding it across the ball rather than driving it through the ball. Right. That's what causes a slice. Basically, it's alignment, path and face. Uh, so I've been hearing a lot of things about how it's better to swing from the inside. Is that just... Uh, well, you're on the... You're on you stand on the inside of the, of the, of the ball. You're on the left side of the ball when you set up as a right-hander. Right. And so that club has to move inside if you're moving it on plane. And then it has to come back from the inside, square up down the path line, ideally, and then move back to the inside. So it's inside to inside, inside square to inside is ideal. But there's a lot of guys that, that are a little bit with track man. Now we see numbers. They're a little bit outside in or a little bit inside out, a little bit one way or another doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. Usually people that have outside in pass start with their upper body and their hands and you lose all your power and you get your body doesn't move correctly. But if you're, if you're moving, initiating the downswing with your lower body, and it can be as simple as just putting your left heel down if it comes up or trying to get your weight into your left side to start with that starts the chain, I guess is probably the best mm-hmm. way to put it. It starts mm-hmm. the sequence properly. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you start with your hands first, you're done, totally done. And you'll be outside okay. in probably and, and erratic. Right. So Roycey, you think you can take that with you on the course there on top okay. of probably oh, definitely trying. Cause correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, you know what the longer <laughs> clubs, the length probably becomes the biggest factor along with grip size. Uh, when we're trying to fit somebody. Oh yeah, it's further away mm-hmm. from you. It's further away from you. It's harder mm-hmm. to hit. Closer you are to something, the the more accurate right. you're going to be, just by proximity. Right. Um, and but I would say with you, Royce, probably without never seeing you swing to this point, is I would say go out there and try to swing easy. Don't try to hit it hard. Start and let, and that will allow your lower body to start, and your path will probably have a chance to get sequenced properly. 
Yeah, that's something I just have to to just do because playing baseball, my mentality is everything I want just to like just want to hit it as hard as I can, right? And it doesn't really help in golf. It doesn't really doesn't always translate. Were you a good hitter? I wouldn't. I wouldn't what say kind that. of hitter? What <laughs> kind of hitter were you? <laughs> I was a singles hitter. You're a contact hitter then. I definitely didn't have any power. Well, that's yeah. That's not the worst thing in the world. Ichiro made a living, pretty good one. Well, he had power too, but he was he could he contact hitter yeah. basically that could hit it out of the park. Oh, by the way, but the motions. If you were a decent hitter, the motion. A lot of the physical motions are very similar. They're just on a different plane. Yeah. Baseball, you're hitting a, you're swinging on a horizontal plane, but the upper body motions are the same. The weight transfer is a lot the same. It's just relative to the ball being on a horizontal plane versus hitting a ball off the ground or teed up. So if you ever swung at bad pitches that were in the dirt, you know, that's a golf swing. Well, I mean, Royce, when, when you, when you come home, if you come home sometime this holiday season, you know, the three, uh, you, Evan and I can go out and play. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That'd be fun. Probably have to drive the cart around a lot to find my balls, but we'll save time when you guys hit it. So like the, wow. be- the be- beauty of COVID times is, you know, if you hit your ball all over the place, Royce, you have your own cart, man. Just go and uh, pick up, go and find your own ball. You guys might never see um, me. It's kind of good for, <laughs> it's good for the flow though. It's good for, it's good for your, uh, your, the times, you know, the time, the time it takes you for you to round. You know, for you just go after your own ball. So, well, with that, Royce, do you have any more questions for our guests? I don't. Uh, I'm actually just going to take their advice to the driving range. That's my first step. Yep, it is. Maybe get on the website and, and get measure yourself out so we can see your fit, so we can tell you how much to shorter to kind of hold your uh, your driver. Oh, definitely. Like I like I said, I'm I'm sold. Evan and Jay sold me. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, can you share can you share again some information how uh, people can find you online? Uh, www.jeffmont.com and that brings up the website and there's a fitting tab if you're interested in getting fitted it doesn't cost anything and go to find your fit or optimum fit I forget I should know this but I can't remember discover your fit I don't go there every day but (laughs) discover thank you god oh my god that's terrible I'm fired Um, and go and, and fill out the the evaluation as accurately as possible don't tell us any stories because we're going to laugh at you when we <laughs> review it. We're here to help, not to be impressed. And you fill that out and we'll, we'll come back with an evaluation. And then if you want to learn more, there, that's where the conversation starts. Or if, if you're in Honolulu, you can see somebody like Steve who has access to our fitting app. And oh, by the way, it's down right now because there was a ransomware attack on the server nice. site. Nice. So if you wow. need something, you have to, yeah, I'm yeah. not real happy about that, but yeah. it's been down for about four days, but I have it on my laptops. Anyway, you go there that that hasn't stopped us from fitting people, mm-hmm. but you see somebody like Steve who can take the measurements accurately and understands the physiology and the philosophy better than I do probably to be honest. And uh, yeah, get, get dialed in, at least give yourself a better chance. Yeah. Or swing a bat that fits to use your baseball metaphor yeah. well, for, for Royce. That's a 27 inch bat. I need, <laughs> I need all the chances. <laughs> 20, 27, 23, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think my son will be using that bat in about three years. <laughs> Come on, man, I, don't swing, I don't swing a bat. that short, <laughs> But uh, Evan, we, we want to wish you the best. Uh, we'll be rooting for you. If all works out great, 
I'll be more than happy to loop it up for you and just walk around there and be the guy that disrupts everybody else playing in the group and maybe they'll play worse because of it. <laughs> Step on their ball when they hit it in the rough. Uh, Evan is like, in some ways, Evan's like one of the most difficult people to caddy for because every three holes, he'll tell you where he wants you to stand now. <laughs> like for three holes, he'll say, stand there. Stand to my left, kind of my far left corner. Good. Three holes later, can you stand there now? And then can you stand behind this way now? Yeah, I'm a lot better about that now. I kind of learned to just... <laughs> it really doesn't matter. <laughs> well, it does. I'm not going to stand right behind you. It matters. But yeah, we wish you well. You know, uh, I think Absolutely. our friend Carson... I, fr I think our friend Carson is looping it up for you, right? The major is looping it up for you at the qualifier, right? Yeah. He's been playing. He's been playing there a lot, as you know, in the last twelve to mm -hmm. eighteen months. So he'll nice. tell you. <laughs> he can tell you some things, some of his adventures out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, he said he's uh, illustrating the green book right now. So <laughs> we're really gonna dissect the course, just pick yeah. it apart. So he's excited. Uh, we we talked about it just the other day. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, let's do this again. I think this this segment will be a good thing for us to kind of come back to again. And so we can check up on Royce and his uh, process of getting refit for his clubs and see how it affects his golf game. Definitely. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for awesome. having us. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. It's late in Seattle, Jay. Go to bed. I know I you need your I know. beauty I'm rest, an old dude. man. You need, <laughs> need your beauty I rest. I definitely, yeah. I need that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. The lights are low back there. It makes you look younger, you know? So <laughs> well, uh, okay. I'm going to start using that trick. <laughs> it wasn't intentional, but I figured if it was darker here, you wouldn't be able to see me. So don't want to scare anybody. No, don't worry. We're the only ones that see each other. So yep. this, this is why this is called the voices for blogging podcasts. Uh, oh, I guess I'm a little slow. Got yep. it now. Faces, now faces for sense. radio and voices for blogging. Oh, that's hilarious. Hey, play good, kid, huh? Thank you. Yeah. yeah we'll we'll just keep it in front of you. Don't get ahead of mm -hmm. yourself. All right, you too. We'll uh, see you later. Be good. Royce, uh, do that and I'll I'll send you some information. Awesome. Nice to meet you. Thanks, Steve. -O. No problem. We'll be, in, we'll be in touch. So that was Jay Turner with Avian Golf and Evan Kawai, a golfer at the University of San Diego. Yeah, so Royce, that was a pretty interesting show, huh? That was great, man. I mean, I'm always looking to soak up new information. Uh, obviously, um, nowhere near professional or even amateur or even competent golfer. So, anything that, any kind of tips and things that I, I can, I can learn and apply. It's just, it's great for me, man. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think moving forward the podcast, we're gonna start having more guests on there, and it's like it's our endless quest to be sponsored by somebody so you know we'll just keep bringing people on that do stuff and make stuff and maybe by some chance we'll get a sponsorship but uh, no I, I, re I really enjoy the conversations it's it's uh you know very informational and i love it i mean you know listening to experts are always it's always enlightening you know it, it, you listen to it with an open mind you know you're gonna pick things up and you know like we said from the beginning with this podcast where we want to entertain and and educate and hopefully we do one of those two things to some degree. Um, the feedback's been pretty decent from the people that they say listen. So, hey, got to take their word for it. Hey, I'm good with that. <laughs> yep. All right, Royce. Well, until next time, uh, we'll be posting our picks for the weekend 
follow if you dare. Uh, Royce is going to try to extend on his one-game winning streak. I'm turning it around, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, Royce. We'll talk to you later, man. We'll see you soon. All right, man. See you guys.